Question 9. What should we think of those who oppose the Holy Prophet with good intentions, or it still do? That is, those who do not acknowledge him as the messenger, but believe in the oneness of God, do good deeds, and abstain from evil deeds. Answer. The proof of a person's good intentions lies in the resultant satisfaction. Since one cannot find satisfaction in any religion other than Islam, what would be the proof of good intention? Look at Christianity, for example. They are so openly making a human being into God, and that human being, too, who is the object of unrelenting suffering. Footnote start. Can any conscience or enlightened heart ever accept that a helpless human being who could not demonstrate even a tiny bit greater work than the earlier prophets and instead continue to suffer at the hands of ignominious Jews is actually God, the creator of heavens and earth, and the recruiter of the guilty? Can any logic accept that a mighty God, despite his infinite power, should stand in need of help from someone else? It is beyond my comprehension as to what kind of God Esau was who cried throughout the night supplicating to be saved. It is indeed strange that when all the three gods were already united within him, then who was the fourth god to whom he supplicated crying throughout the night? What is more, that prayer of his was not even accepted. What reliance can one place on such a god who was overwhelmed by the abject Jews who did not stop persecuting him until they hoisted him upon the cross? As for the Aryas, they did not seem to have any god at all. After all, they are themselves self-existent. Can this kind of guidance satisfy a man in the least? On the other hand, Islam presents the God who is agreed upon by human nature and all the prophets who reveals his mighty attributes to the perfect followers of Islam. Footnote N. As for the Arya Samajists, they have produced no argument in support of the existence of their Parameshwar. For in their view, he is not the creator, and as such the creator cannot be recognized through the study of his creation. According to their religion, God Almighty does not show miracles, nor did he show any miracles at the time of the Vedas, and as such, Paramishwar cannot be proved by means of miracles. And they have no evidence to prove that the attributes ascribed to Paramishwar, namely knowledge of the unseen, hearing, speaking, being all-powerful, and being the bestower, are in fact present in him. Hence, their Parmishwar is merely an imaginary Parmishwar. The same is the condition of the Christians. A seal has been placed on the revelation of their God too. Therefore, how can belief in such a God or Parmishwar be reassuring? And how can anyone who does not have complete conviction in his God love God fully? And how can he be cleansed of idolatry? God Almighty has not held back from establishing the truth of his noble messenger. He came like a son and manifested his light in every respect. Therefore, he who turns away from this true son will not come to a good end. We cannot say that he has good intentions. Can one who is afflicted with leprosy and whose limbs have been eaten by leprosy claim that he is not a leper or that he is not in need of treatment? Should he say so, can we say that he has good intentions? Should there be such a person who could not arrive at the truth of Islam despite complete good faith and despite every effort such, as he puts forth in seeking the world, his matter rests with God, but I have not come across any such person in my entire life. Footnote start. 
The faith of Islam is so consistent with human nature that its truthfulness can be recognized even by an uninformed and uneducated Hindu within two minutes, because whatever has been adopted by other religions consists entirely of deplorable doctrines that will make a sad person burst into laughter. Footnote and Therefore, I consider it absolutely impossible that anyone can prefer some other faith to Islam on the basis of reason and fairness. Naive and ignorant people learn under the dictates of their lower selves that Tawheed is enough, and that it is not necessary to follow the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, but it is to be borne in mind that it is a Prophet who is the mother of Tawheed, from whom Tawheed is born, and the existence of God is inferred from him indeed. Who is better than God Almighty to bring the argument to perfection? He has filled heaven and earth with signs to prove the truth of his noble prophet. And now, in this age also, by sending this humble servant, God has displayed thousands of signs like heavy rain to affirm the truth of the holy prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. What then is lacking in completing the argument? He who has sense enough to oppose, why can he not think of a way to agree? He who can see at night, why can he not see on a bright day? Indeed, the way of acceptance is much easier than the ways of rejection. However, the case of a person who is like an imbecile and whose faculties are subnormal rests with God, and I cannot talk about him. He is like those people who die as infants or in childhood, but a wicked denier cannot excuse himself on the basis that he is rejecting with good intentions. It should be considered whether his faculties are capable of comprehending the questions of oneness of God and prophethood or not. If it appears that he is capable of comprehending them and denies out of mischief, how can he be excused? Can we excuse a person who observes the light of the sun and yet persists in asserting that it is not day but night? In the same way, can we excuse those who deliberately indulge in spurious reasoning and are unable to refute the arguments of Islam? Islam is indeed a living faith. Why will a person who can distinguish between the living and the dead forsake Islam and accept the dead religion? Footnote start. The person who makes a human being into God without any evidence or rejects God as the creator without any reason can he not understand the perfectly clear arguments in favor of the truth of Islam? Footnote end. In this age, too, God Almighty manifests great signs in support of Islam, and I say this from my own experience. If all the nations of the world were to unite against me and a comparison be made as to whom God reveals the unseen, whose prayers he accepts, whom does he help, and for whom does he manifest great signs, I call God to witness that I would be victorious. Is there anyone who will step forward against me for such a trial? God has bestowed thousands of signs upon me just to let the opponents know that Islam is indeed the true faith. I do not seek any honor for myself, but I seek honor for the one for whom I have been sent. Some foolish people say that such and such prophecy of mine has not been fulfilled and on account of their ignorance cite one or two prophecies that were not fulfilled, just as the mischievous people had done in the times of the earlier prophets. But they merely desired to spit at the sun, and they deceived people by enhancing their accounts with lies and fabrication. They know nothing of the ways of God Almighty. They have no knowledge of the scriptures, or someone has the knowledge, but says so out of sheer mischief. 
According to them, Prophet Yunus, Jonah, would be deemed an imposter because his definitive prophecy, which had no condition attached to it, was not fulfilled. But the two prophecies of mine which they quote again and again, namely the ones about Atham and the son-in-law of Ahmad Ba'er, have been fulfilled. Since they had conditions attached to him, there were delays in accordance with those conditions. These people do not know that it is not necessary for the prophecies of warning to be fulfilled. All the prophets are agreed on this. I do not want to write more about it, for my books are full of the relevant details. Indeed, Atham died in keeping with the prophecy, and Ahmed Ba'er died as well, in keeping with the prophecy. Now they complain about his son-in-law, but they overlook the practice of God that is established concerning prophecies of warning. If they have modesty, decency, and fairness, they ought to prepare two lists. In one they should document the prophecies which they consider unfulfilled, and in the second list I shall write those prophecies whose fulfillment cannot be denied by anyone. Then they will realize that they are presenting a mere job that is, in their opinion, impure, before an entire ocean of limpid water. In short, it is a point worth considering that so much of their crying and clamor is simply over two prophecies. On the contrary, there are thousands of prophecies that have been fulfilled and hundreds of thousands of people are witness to them. If they fear God, why do they not avail of them? Even the Jews continue to insist in the same fashion that a majority of the prophecies made by Hazel Isa, Jesus, peace be upon him, have not been fulfilled. For instance, the prophecy regarding the twelve thrones of the twelve disciples and the prophecy concerning his second coming in that very age. Footnote start. The Torah of Hazel Musa, Moses, contained the prophecy that he would deliver the Israelites to Syria a country in which ran rivulets of milk and honey. But this prophecy was not fulfilled. Hazar Musa died on the way, and the Israelites died too. Only their children reached there. Similarly, the prophecy of Hazar Isa, that his disciples would be vouchsafed twelve thrones, also turned out not to be correct. Now will you give up belief in the prophethood of both Musa and Isa? Sayyid Abdul Qadir Jalani says, meaning that sometimes a promise is made and is not kept. To create such an uproar over unfulfilled conditional prophecies of warnings betrays great ignorance. Footnote end. In sum, the truth of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has been established for the entire world. The rays of his light are shining brighter than those of the sun. How then can good intentions combine with this belief? How can we ever say about a person who is guilty of rejecting a manifest truth that he performs virtuous deeds? For the last 1,300 years, the proclamation is being made and thousands of those who are gifted to perform miracles and marvels have in their own day and age furnished the proof. Has the point not been established yet? After all, a disbeliever is excusable to a certain extent but not to the extent that despite witnessing thousands of miracles, marvels, and signs, and in spite of realizing the excellence of teaching and beholding pure Tawheed in Islam, he should go on saying, I am still not satisfied. Footnote start. It is a pity that Abdul Hakim Khan is steeped in another misguidance. He says that the word Islam does not include the sense of the belief in the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. 
even though it is the agreed doctrine of all Muslims that the faith is not complete without believing in the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. For this reason, the Holy Quran says that an oath was taken from every people through their Prophet, that when Khatamul Anbiya, the seal of the Prophet, is raised, they must believe in him and help him. Another argument for the same is that the letters which the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, wrote to the Christians like Caesar, Mukakis, and the king of Ethiopia contained the words Aslim, Taslim, meaning that believe in Islam, thereby you will attain security. This was done in spite of the fact that some of those kings believed in the oneness of God and did not subscribe to Trinity, and this is an established fact. Moreover, the Jews also did not believe in the Trinity. Then what was the purpose of inviting them to Islam? For they were already included in Islam. Footnote end. Footnote start. How can we pronounce the Europeans to be ignorant? They have translated and published the translations of the Holy Quran and they have themselves written commentaries of the Holy Quran. They have translated the very major collections of Ahadith and compiled huge tomes on Arabic lexicon. The truth of the matter is that the extent to which there are libraries on Islam in Europe, the Muslims do not possess those books to the same extent. Footnote N. At the end of this postscript, I conclude the dissertation by stating some important issues. One of them is that Dr. Abdul Hakim Khan, in this booklet, Al-Masihud Dajjal, etc., accuses me as if I have written in a book of mine that whosoever does not believe in me shall become a disbeliever and be cast into hell even if he is unaware of my name and even if he is in a land where my message has not reached. This is a totally false imputation on the part of the said doctor. I have not written so in any book or announcement. It is incumbent upon him to produce any one of my books which contains this statement. It should be known that he has leveled this false allegation against me out of sheer cunning, as is his wont. It is something which certainly no reasonable person can ever accept. How can a person who is totally unaware of even my name be considered accountable? However, I do say that since I am the promised Messiah and God has openly manifested heavenly signs in my support, Everyone who in the estimation of God has been furnished with sufficient evidence regarding my advent as the promised Messiah and has become aware of my claim shall be held accountable, for no one can deliberately turn away with impunity from those who have been sent by God. The call for justice against this sin is not for myself, but it is for the one for whose support I have been sent, that is, Hazrat Muhammad Mustafa, the Chosen One. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He who does not accept me is disobedient not to me, but to him who had prophesied my advent. I hold the same belief with regard to believing in the Holy Prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He who has heard the call of the Holy Prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And has become aware of his advent. And who, in the estimation of God, has been furnished with sufficient evidence regarding the prophethood, of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and dies a disbeliever, he would be condemned to eternal hell. The knowledge, whether sufficient evidence has been furnished, lies with God Almighty alone. However, reason demands that since people are endowed with different capabilities and understanding, 
The furnishing of sufficient evidence, too, shall not take place in only one way. Therefore, if those who on account of their intellectual capacity can understand and recognize quite easily the divine arguments and signs and the merits of a faith but reject the messenger of God, they will belong to the foremost degree of kufr, disbelief. Those who do not occupy the same level of understanding and knowledge, but if, in the estimation of God, sufficient evidence has been furnished to them, in keeping it with the level of their understanding, they too will be accountable for their disbelief in the Prophet, albeit to a lesser degree than the disbelievers of the first kind. Anyway, it is not for me to determine the disbelief of each and every individual or whether sufficient evidence was furnished. Rather, it is the prerogative of the one who is all-knowing. We can say this much, that whosoever, in the estimation of God, has been furnished with sufficient evidence, and in the estimation of God has been assessed to be a disbeliever, shall be culpable. Of course, since the Sharia is based on what is a word, we cannot declare one who rejects the message to be a believer, nor can we say that he is exempt from accountability. Someone who repudiates is indeed called kafir, disbeliever, because the word kafir is opposite to mu'min, believer. Kufr is of two kinds. First, the kufr that a person rejects even Islam and does not accept the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as the messenger of God. Second, the kufr that a person, for example, does not accept the promised Messiah, and despite the sufficient evidence of his truth, considers him to be an impostor, although belief in him and his truthfulness has been emphasized by Allah and his messenger, and by the books of earlier prophets too. And hence, since he repudiates the imperative of God and the messenger, he is a kafir. On closer examination, the two kinds of kufr are essentially of the same nature. The reason is that if a person, after recognizing the truth, does not accept the injunction of God and the messenger, then he in accordance with the explicit verdict of the Holy Quran and Hadith, also does not accept God and his messenger. Without doubt, anyone against whom the argument vis-a-vis -vis the first or the second kind of kufr has been incontrovertibly established in the estimation of Allah will be culpable on the day of judgment. However, one to whom sufficient evidence has not been furnished in the estimation of God and who is a disbeliever and a denier and even if the Sharia, based as it is upon what is a word, calls them a kafir, and we too, in our subservience to the Sharia, call them a kafir, he will not be deemed culpable in the estimation of God in the context of the verse. Allah burdens not any soul beyond its capacity. Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 287 of the Holy Quran. Of course, we do not have the right to pronounce verdict regarding his salvation. His case rests with God. It is not for us to impose our judgment upon it. As I have just pointed out, only God Almighty knows that, despite the arguments based on rationality and scriptures, excellence of teachings and heavenly signs, who it is to whom the arguments have not been incontrovertibly conveyed. We should not claim with conviction that sufficient evidence has not been furnished to a particular person. We have no knowledge of the inside of a person. By presenting arguments covering all dimensions and by displaying signs every messenger of Allah has meant to furnish sufficient evidence of his truth to the people at large, and God too has been his supporter in it. Therefore, 
Anyone who claims that he has not been provided sufficient evidence is himself responsible for his denials, and the onus of its proof is upon him alone. Footnote start. In this context, one had better consider what kind of tawhid and majesty of God Almighty does the faith of a person present in comparison with Islam. The case of those whose faith neither has the majesty of God nor his tawhid nor any path to his recognition is rather strange. How can they say that the truth of Islam has not been adequately proven to them? A Christian who believes only in a helpless human to be God on Arya for whom God Almighty is neither the creator nor can he demonstrate his existence through fresh signs cannot possibly claim his faith to be superior to Islam. In order to show the excellence of his faith, will he present Nayak in accordance with which another man can sleep with a woman in spite of her husband being alive? Footnote N. He alone will be answerable as to how sufficient evidence was not furnished to him despite all the evidence based on reason and historical record, excellence of teachings, heavenly signs, and guidance of every kind. It will be simply senseless and absurd to contend that whoever was not furnished with complete arguments despite knowing about Islam will attain salvation in their state of denial. Rather, such prattle is an affront to God Almighty, for it would be insolence to the exalted station of the Almighty who sent his messenger. Moreover, it inherently implies the breach of promise that despite the fact that he promised that he would furnish sufficient evidence, he could not do so vis-a-vis -vis those who rejected him, and they rejected his messenger and yet attained salvation. And when we evaluate the signs which God manifested in support of Islam and note the evidence based on reason and record and discover thousands of excellencies in Islam of which other religions are bereft, and when we realize that the door for making progress towards God is open only in Islam, and when we find other religions to be in a state in which they are either caught in creature worship or they do not believe that God Almighty is the creator and originator of all and the fountainhead of all blessings. We pity those who spread such preposterous thinking in the world that a person who knew of Islam but had not been furnished with complete arguments will attain salvation. It is obvious that the rejection of facts, even when unintentional, is still harmful. For instance, suppose that doctors have issued a warning about going near women who are infected with syphilis but someone has consorted with such a woman. Now it would be no use complaining on his part that he was unaware of this warning of the physicians, so why did he contract syphilis? Bawa Nanak spoke the truth when he said, O Nanak, evil deeds will ultimately breed evil consequences. O ignorant ones, now that God, in keeping with his own practice, has perfected the argument in favor of his upright faith, what good is there in entertaining doubts in it and reiterating absurdities despite God having perfected the argument? If all there is someone in the knowledge of God concerning whom the argument still remains incomplete, his case rests with God. It is not for us to debate the issue. Of course, if a person who is totally unaware of Islam dies in the state of unawareness, for instance, the minors, the insane or the residents of a country where the message of Islam has not reached, then they stand excused.